0: In Galatians chapter 2, and we have been talking about apostolic unity, the fact that there is unity among the apostles, and we said last week that Peter equals Paul in authority. Uh, There's not a difference, and there were some in that day who thought that there was perhaps a difference, perhaps Peter and John and James, the Lord's brother, Jacob, were a little bit higher in rank than Paul, and Paul comes along and defends his his ministry because this is this is everything this is the truth this is about the truth this is about your life your life hinges on the gospel that Paul preaches there is no other life there is no other way all of life is meaningless and empty without Paul's gospel the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without it, we might as well shut the doors of this church and we might as well all head home because life is meaningless without Christ and without the true Christ that Paul preached. And there's a lot of people that are asleep. Listen, Jesus is the most exciting being, the most exciting person in the world. He makes things joyous. He makes things exciting. When he shows up, everything changes. It's wonderful. And there's so many people that are asleep. They're dead in sin. They're stuck. May God open up eyes today. Open up hearts that we have a thirst for the truth, that we have a thirst for the things that are righteous, the things that are holy. This is why we come, we come to hear from the risen Lord. He is here today among us through the person of the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's with us. And someday we're going to we're going to recognize Jesus. He's not going to be a stranger if you know Christ and you die with Christ. You're not going to wake up in heaven and go, wow, I never even sensed your presence. You are totally different than I thought. You're going to be like, no, no, I know exactly who you are. It'll just be fuller, more exhaustive, more wonderful than anything we've ever experienced on a much deeper and much greater level. When somebody knows Christ, they bring the presence of Christ with them. You know Jesus, you brought Jesus here with you. People see a difference in you because you know him. If you have truly come to a moment in your life of genuine conversion where you have come to the Lord and you have placed your faith in Christ. It's amazing how many people waste their lives on the things of this world. And it's because they're blind. The God of this world, Satan, has blinded their minds. They can't see. And so it's up to you, believer, to be praying, saying, God, would you open up hearts? Would you open up minds? Would you open up eyes for people to come and see? Because they don't see you. They need to see you. So we get on our knees and we begin to plead with the Lord. And this is why Paul is so adamant about defending his apostolic authority, because our eternal life is what's at stake here. This is no minor message, and so he has told us, as we have seen, that he is on the same level as the other apostles. And now he's going to show us that he has the same commissioning authority. The same person that commissioned Peter and John and commissioned James is the same Lord that also commissioned Paul. There's no difference. It's the same God. It's the same Christ who has given his authorization and has given his commission for these men to be apostles. It's the same person. In fact, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, we get into this idea of this same commissioning authority. He's talking about these other apostles. He's talking about James, the Lord's brother. He's talking about Peter or Cephas, same name, or John, the apostle. And he's saying it's the same Lord that sent them is also the same Lord that sent me. The same Lord that authorized me to be an apostle is the same exact Lord that authorized them to be apostles. And he's saying that they recognized this. In fact, it says here in verse 7, it says, On the contrary, when they saw, that is when the other apostles saw, the ones that he had met with, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel. So they saw something in him. They saw the fact that grace had been given to him to be an apostle. They recognized it. He carried a weight with him. He had the evidence of his life and the evidence of his ministry. And as they interacted with him, they said there's something unique about him. He's one of us. Peter says he's not just a a follower of Christ. He's actually an apostle. He's actually been commissioned just like me. John says the same thing. I recognize Paul as a co-equal apostle. We can't say that today. There's people who call themselves apostles, apostle this and apostle that. They need to be very careful. There are no more apostles in that sense. There are no more capital A apostles. There are people with apostolic ministries. But for somebody to put themselves on the same level as Paul, that's a a big claim. I'm apostle so-and-so. You mean you're like John? You're like Paul? No, of course not. So, there are people who have apostolic ministries. But to say that they are in the same level or on the same level as the original 12 or some of the other apostles that were with them is not biblical. In fact, it's absurd. But they saw, they recognized, they knew that this was a fellow apostle, that this was a man who had the same calling as them. They recognized Jesus. In fact, when we see other people who have Christ, we recognize them. We say there's something different about that person. There is a weight that they carry. There's an anointing that they have on their life. There's something unique. There's something different about them. It's the fact that they're a Christian. You know, somebody can say I'm a Christian all day long and not know Christ. It's a it's a whole different thing when somebody has really repented of their sins, really trusted in Christ. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell with inside of them. That is completely different. But when these apostles saw Paul, they said, this man is somebody like us. In fact, if you skip down to verse 9, it says, "And when James and Cephas and John, who seem to be pillars, here it is, perceive the grace that was given to me." This word in the Greek is "gnosko," means uh, to perceive or to know. These these men knew. Said so he is he's an apostle, and of course, as we see others, we say to ourselves, "This person is a person." We perceive that they are a person who knows Christ and who has been with Christ. If you go back over to Acts chapter 4, Acts the fourth chapter, Acts chapter 4 verse 13, Acts chapter 4 verse 13, it says this, Now when they saw that... uh, there was boldness when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and here it is, and perceived, same word. Same same root here, same word gonosco, when they they knew they they saw something uh in these men. They perceived that they were uneducated and common men. So they realized that these men did not have PhDs, these men did not have master's degrees. So, they weren't educated in that sense, but they had the ultimate seminary training. They had been with Christ. And when they perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Very interesting. These men were regular men. They didn't walk around in three piece suits. Not that there's anything wrong with a three piece suit, but they didn't walk around in long robes. They didn't like greetings in the marketplace. When they showed up, they were your average guy. People say, that's one of the apostles. Yeah, that's Paul. Well, he doesn't look like much. Look at John. He doesn't look like much. Look at Peter. He doesn't, he doesn't look like much. And this is why we need to be careful as Christians when we walk around that we have this, this sense of we're just um, we're just people, regular people, created in the image of God. The fact that he has chosen us is utterly astounding and amazing that he would choose us to follow him an amazing grace. And so we minister in that hopeful humility. And so you have, can you imagine this intimidating setting of all the Pharisees with all the pomp and all the circumstance and all the robes and all the greetings and all the education. Then you have these regular men, but they carry a, a weight with them. They carry an authority with them. Now, here's what it says here. They perceived something, just as the apostles perceived something in Paul. They were astonished, the scripture says here in verse 13 of Acts 4. And here's what they recognized they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Very interesting. We have never seen Paul. And yet the question is: Have we recognized his apostolic authority as we read these these pages? Somebody says, to "You um, could you describe Jesus? You've met Jesus, right? How tall is he? I don't know. What's he What's he look like? Had conversation with him. What color is he? What are his eyes like?" You're saying, "I I don't know. We have." We have certain guesses, and we can be certain he definitely wasn't a pale white dude with blue eyes riding around on a horse with blonde hair. We know that about Jesus. Probably darker. We know he had a beard, got plucked out. And so the question is, how do we we recognize Jesus? And we say to ourselves, well, the only way we recognize Jesus is the fact that we heard this word. Now, isn't that something? We've never sat down and talked to them. We are 2,000 years removed. That's a long time. And yet a person comes into a church or sits across from somebody, and somebody opens up this word and begins to preach the apostolic word, and all of a sudden we get a sense there's somebody else here with us. This isn't somebody just reading to us Goldilocks and the Three Bears. That's not not what this is. There's a weight to this. And all of a sudden, as we listen to Paul's words, we recognize what he is saying actually carries weight. We recognize he is who he says he is. Paul is an apostle, a true messenger, a true sent one of Christ. And we recognize that his message actually has weight to it. And so all of a sudden, at one point in our life, we actually surrender our lives. This is a miracle. Who would surrender their lives to somebody 2,000 years old. This is unbelievable. Who would come here and sit like this and listen to this? Well, it's because Christ is risen from the dead. And as we hear this word, this is why it's worth fighting for. This is why we listen. Paul is fighting for the gospel. He's fighting for our knowledge, our experience of Christ. He's saying, I'm a true apostle. All these other guys are are fakes except the ones who have been commissioned by Christ except Peter, James, John, and the boys. Those guys are real apostles. But then you have these super apostles, and they're coming along. There's no sense of the Holy Spirit. No sense of God's presence. Remember, a guy I worked with said that he went to a church one time. He had been invited to a church, and he was sitting there listening to... Everything seemed okay, but as he was sitting there listening to the music, he was listening to the uh, message... Something seemed off. Something wasn't quite right, and he's listening, and everything seemed okay. Till all of a sudden, during the message, the so-called preacher, so-called pastor said, and we all know that Jesus is Michael the archangel. Wow. Oh, <laughs> I'm in a cult. There's no weight. There's no manifest." Fest presence of the Holy Spirit, no sense of God with that, the blessing of God. But when we hear the the true doctrine of the Scripture, this is why doctrine matters. I was talking to somebody about that this week. Oh, well, let's you know, let's not fuss over doctrine. I said, listen, everybody believes in doctrine. I've never met a Christian that doesn't care about doctrine. The question is, what doctrine do you believe? and usually when people say that they just mean let's let's just get get on with this and and let's just believe what i believe I say no, no no let's let's wrangle over this let's let's have a a true argument not in the sense of a contentious fight but let's truly reason with one another isn't that what god even says come let us reason together isn't that what israel even means the name israel to wrestle with god you think he wants us to wrestle with the text? Do you think he wants us to listen to apostolic doctrine and really think about it? Listen, the only, the only way our hearts are going to be changed, listen, is through our mind. God doesn't come in and just say, listen, just believe all this, and we're just empty-headed vessels that just say, yes, we just receive anything. Listen, the reason our hearts are so moved towards God is because we understand with our mind who he is. And the only way that we understand who he is is through true apostolic doctrine that comes through men like Paul. And so as we're listening to this, we're, we're listening to something that has been commissioned by Christ. The same commissioner, the same authority who gave it to Peter is the same one who gave it to Paul. You say, well, how, how do I recognize that this is the truth? How can I be changed? How do I see that this whole thing is right? Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1. So can somebody's life be changed? You mean they come into a church for the first time, they don't know all of church history, they haven't studied this person and that person, they don't, they don't understand all this, and yet they can hear a few verses read from the, the Scripture, they can sense the very presence of God and be eternally changed? Absolutely says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. How, how do we know he's chosen us? Here it is, because our gospel, what gospel? The apostolic gospel, the gospel that came through Peter, the gospel that came through Paul. Paul says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, we didn't just preach something and everyone said, yes, whoever wants to believe in this, lift a dry, unmoved hand. Okay, we'll go along with it for the club's sake. That's not what we're here for. He said it not only came to you in word, it did come to you through words. That's the the word of God. But it also came in power. There was an authority behind it. We understood that God was present in the message. As we're listening to this, God's here. God's speaking to us. He's moving us. But also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. So we we listen to this message, we hear it. We're deeply moved. Power is on it. That's what we pray for, Lord. Send the power. Send the power. Why don't we even pray that now, Lord? Send the power. Send the power. Send conviction into our hearts. Driving along, all of a sudden the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're You've been meditating and thinking about the gospel. The fact that you're a sinner separated from God. Boom, power comes on you. This is real, life-changing. Next thing you know, your eyes are filled up with tears. You say, what is going on here? It's the apostolic gospel that's getting to you. The power of the gospel, Romans chapter 1. The power of the gospel. And all of a sudden, somebody cries out to the Lord, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Prayer, the Lord never resists. Is Lord, I need you. Can we just say that together? Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Why don't we say that again. Lord I, need you. Lord, I need you. Yeah, we come to Him and we just say, I need you. Do you need Him? Yes. Yeah. If if you don't need Him, then you're in the the camp of the Pharisees. Oh, I've heard all this before. I don't need this message. I'm I'm well aware of Galatians. Listen, you need a heart change. You need softening. Softening. So is it possible 2,000 years removed that we can receive this with the weight and the glory that it comes with? Yes, because the words of God are living and active, Hebrews tells us, and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is what we as Christians hunger for. Give us the word. Give us the word. You can give us anything. You can tell us nice stories, nice jokes, whatever. But get to the word. Get to the Word. And as we hear the Word of God, the, the refreshing of the Holy Spirit, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Paul, we love when you talk to us because you talk to us about Jesus. You bring Jesus with you. You give us the truth. Peter, we love hearing you speak because you, you bring Jesus. Peter, you're okay, but that's not why we're here, Peter. That's not why we're here, Paul or Mary. Well, anyway, Peter, Paul, Mary. Um, <laughs> We're here to hear you, Lord. We're here to hear you. We're here to hear you. I can't tell you, a Christian will crawl across a desert to hear the word of God. Is that you? You hungry for him? Is this worth fighting for? When you see another believer, do you get excited? You go, ooh, they carry a weight with them. There's something about them. I know it is. It's Jesus. They have Jesus with them. They recognize that they had been with Jesus. And so we recognize along with these apostles, we say, hey, Paul's, Paul's the real deal. By the way, Peter said something very similar. If you go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 says this It was revealed to them, that is the prophets. So the prophets are, the prophets uh, in the Old Testament, they studied their own prophecies. So they'd be reading their prophecies prophecies and studying it was revealed to them though however that they were not serving themselves but you they had a ministry not for themselves isn't that something the prophets the prophets would go around and people would reject their message just like Paul Paul didn't know there would be a city like church he had no clue no clue that Jacob Johnson would be born and needed to hear the gospel and needed to get saved all, all he was was faithful to the ministry that God called him to and boy did he pay for it but he paid for it joyously and even though he suffered you and I reaped the rewards we reaped the benefit of his ministry and By the way, the same with Peter. So the the prophets weren't serving themselves, but they were serving you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached. Here it is, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. Same idea that Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians, preaching the gospel to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Even Michael, speaking of Michael, the archangel, he bows at the feet of Jesus Christ, the Almighty, and worships him. He's he's looking into these things. Unbelievable. All the angels bow down and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. So the scripture tells us that these men, these other apostles, recognized that Paul had been commissioned with the same commissioning authority that they had been given. It came from the same person, is that through, and that is through Christ. Paul says, if you go back to Galatians chapter 2, verse 7, he says, I've been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, that is the Gentiles. Anybody who's not a Jew, if you've ever wondered, if you're new to reading the Bible here, two categories in the Bible, Jews and Gentiles. And if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. It's very, very easy. Any person who is not Jewish is a Gentile. And Paul is saying, my ministry, even though he preached to the Jews, and he preached to a lot of Jews, but if you read through Acts, he would shake the dust off his feet and he'd say, listen, you're not listening to the gospel. I'm going to the Gentiles from now on. And so he's telling us here that as these apostles recognized his ministry, They recognized that his ministry was to the uncircumcised, that is, to the Gentiles. Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, that is, he had been commissioned to preach the gospel primarily to Jews, although he also did preach it to Gentiles. If you go to Acts 10, we don't have time to look at it, and the whole conversion of Cornelius and a whole host of Gentiles, he did preach to Gentiles, but... Paul is saying primarily here. That's what he means. I, Paul is saying, have been primarily called to Gentiles while Peter has been primarily called to the Jews. Both of these men would end up in Rome and both of these men would be martyred for their faith. That's how precious this gospel was to them. And so Jesus had foretold at a certain point, he had told Peter, Peter, listen, I love you. And he had even asked Peter if he loved him. That was the real question. And then he predicted, he said, listen, Peter, you're going to to be commissioned here. You're going to preach the gospel and so on. This is all paraphrasing. But he says at a certain point, you're actually going to lay down your life and you're going to die for my sake. And by the way, when we we come to the gospel, when we come to the true scriptures, and when we lay our life down, that's exactly what we're doing. We're giving up our lives. This isn't a a split decision. This is not making a commitment. I recently heard somebody say that oftentimes Christians talk about making a commitment to Jesus. And he was talking about the use of words. You're going to commit to Jesus today. He said that has become real in vogue in evangelical circles. Commit to Jesus. Commit to Jesus. The problem with commitment is you can break it. You don't want to, you don't want to commit anymore. You're saying, I'm done with this commitment. He said the word that has gone away, the word we need to get back to is surrender. I surrender all. I surrender Lord, when I give you my life, I'm not just committing to this thing as long as it's popular. I'm committing to the true gospel, and it's going to cost me. You're going to suffer for Christ's sake if you come to the cross. You're going to suffer. But, oh, is it worth it. It's worth it. Jesus had predicted, if you go back to John chapter 20, he had predicted that Peter, as we're talking about Peter and his ministry to the Jews he had predicted that Peter would eventually die he would be martyred for his his steadfast faith in the Lord John chapter 20 verse 21 so he says peace be with you as the father has sent me even so Do I send you? Then if you go over to chapter 21, just flip over chapter 21. Jesus has been uh, talking to his disciples here, and now he is specifically talking here in John chapter 21 to Peter. And he says this to Peter. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself. And you walked wherever you wanted, but when you are old. So, Peter, you are going to get old. The Lord is predicting the fact that Peter would get old. You will stretch out your hands. And so he's beginning to tell Peter something that is rather ominous. But he says, you're going to stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Jesus, what are you talking about? I'm going to stretch out my hands when I'm old. Well, Jesus clarifies it here. John does in verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death, there it is, by what kind of death he was to glorify to glorify God. And after this he said to him, follow me. Origen, who was an early ch- church teacher, in many ways a heretic, but he actually tells us that Peter... Uh, When he ended up in Rome, this is not, you can't find this in the scripture, but it is reliable history that he actually requested, when his time came to die, that he actually requested to be, he was crucified, to be crucified upside down. He said, I'm not worthy to be like my Lord. Don't crucify me like him. Crucify me upside down. Eusebius, the church, father, church historian who cites Clement, tells us that before he died, before Peter died, before he was crucified, he watched his own wife die as a martyr for the Lord. That would be tough. So he's not only going, but his his wife, and the Bible actually tells us a little bit, we don't know her name, but she was evidently a very godly woman And as he's saying his his final goodbyes to his wife, Clement, the church father, tells us, here's what Peter told his wife before she died. He said these three words. He said this, remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. That's it. And then she went off and she was executed, and then Peter was executed. Those Those are good words for us to remember in our trials and in our tribulation. That is to remember the Lord. So he was executed in Rome, and around the same time, we're not exactly sure exact moments or days, but Paul was also executed for his faith. And uh, they were both executed under Nero, who was a, a wicked man. Peter was crucified, and it seems like he was crucified upside down. Paul, on the other hand, because he was a Roman citizen, didn't have to endure crucifixion. He got the easy way out. He got his head chopped off. And you know what? Both of them went joyfully. They gave their lives. I'll tell you why they gave their lives. Because Jesus is exciting. And when you've tasted the Lord, uh, it's He's worth dying for. And so you wanna you wanna tell everyone else about Jesus because He's He's everything to you. He's everything. He's everything. So we don't have the exact um a text of Scripture that would tell us about Paul's death, but we, we do have a text where he's about to die, and he gives us some final words. If you go over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he's telling Timis, Timothy some final thoughts, giving him some final commands. Why don't we start with verse 1? This is so powerful. So this is some parting words from an old man, uh, a father in the faith. And oh, how we need older men, older men, to encourage the younger men. You know, when we talk about Paul being an older man, we're not talking about like he was 35 and Timothy was 17 or something. Timothy was probably around 40, late 30s, Paul's 60s, 70 It's older. And here, here's what he's telling Timothy. He says, This I charge you in the presence of God. Timothy, here's what, I, here's what I charge you to do, and of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Get to the word, Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Here it is. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching. Command to sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. And wander off into myths. As for you. Always be sober minded. Endure suffering. T- Timothy, suffer well. You're going to suffer, Timothy, suffer. Do the work of, a, of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Here's, here's where he talks about his death. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, and with that, Paul is going to be executed. Back to Galatians chapter two so these these are men who have been commissioned by God, and they are going to give their very lives for the gospel that they preach the one and only true gospel. So it says, on the contrary, when they saw, they saw that I'd been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised. Now here's the same commissioning authority. See, where do you get that? It's verse 8. For he who worked through Peter, who's that? The Holy Spirit, Christ through the Holy Spirit? For he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. Same authority. Peter has the same authority, John has the same authority, Paul has the same authority. They all have the same authority, same commissioning authority. So what have we said? They're on the same level, they have the same authority, and lastly, we're going to close with this, they have the same acceptance. They accept one another. You say, you're my boy, we're on the same level. And they recognize false teachers, they recognize false doctrine, and they also were able able to recognize true apostles who were on their level. And Paul is saying that's exactly what happened with him, that they recognized his authority. It wasn't just that he was given authority by Christ, but they recognized it. Notice verse 9. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, and they were pillars, but so was Paul, perceived the grace that was given to me. Here it is. They gave the right hand of fellowship. They said, you're one of us. You're one of us. You're one of the apostles. The right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they should go to the circumcised. So here's what they said. Same message, different audience. That's all they're saying. We're on the same level, same authority, and we recognize one another as genuine apostles. Listen. The message never changes. I served under a, a man who died a year ago. It was almost 91 years old. and We talk about that all the time. Seasons come and season go, seasons go, but the word of God endures forever. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. This message doesn't change. Let me just go over a, a few things here real quickly so we can get this in our mind. There's different cultures. There's different lands. There's different languages. There's different times. There's different technologies. There's different ages. There's different styles. There's different genders. By the way, there's only two. There's different skills. There's different incomes but it's always the same gospel. The same gospel. It's always the same message. And by the way, the gospel is always relevant. We don't make it relevant. Well, we want to make it relevant to the youth. No, we don't. No, we don't. The gospel is relevant. Well, we need to do this in order to make the gospel relevant to these people or those people. The gospel is relevant. It is timeless. And this is why you can go into into any culture, any place, any time, any season, and preach the same gospel, and people are going to hear the same thing. They're going to hear God. And that's the most exciting news that we could hear. Now, here's what they end with. They say this, we get it. We're, We're the same here, guys. All of us were same apostles. That's what they're telling each other, right hand of fellowship. And then Paul says this, and he closes the text that we're in with this. He says, the only thing that they asked me to do was to remember the poor. Don't get so high and mighty that you forget the poor. Martin Luther says, after preaching, the preaching of the gospel, the office in charge of a true and faithful pastor is to be mindful of the poor. And by the way, that's primarily the poor of the church. That's the poor of the church. When Paul helped the poor, it was taking gifts to Jerusalem, the Jerusalem church. So we're to be looking around in our body going, who, who needs this? Who needs something? Who's struggling right now? And, of course, there's all sorts of different requirements that the Scripture gives us, but we're never to become so high-minded that we have the rich people are up here and the poor people are down here in the church. And um, Paul says, this was the very thing I was glad to do. I wanted to do that. I want to be in a church of regular people you want to go into a church where everyone has a ton of money and they're all snobs? That's not what I'd want. Is there anything wrong with having a lot of money? Absolutely not. But let's not forget to remember the four. We're all just dust, aren't we? And so let's remember the gospel that has been given to us. Would you stand with me as we close? Father, we thank you for your powerful word today that you have spoken to us. We recognize that we are getting a a gospel that is relevant to us right now. We don't need to dress it up. Um, We don't need to make it relevant. It's relevant because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And you're about building your church. You're not about men building their own church. God, we ask you that you would enable us to hear your voice. Enable us to hear you, we pray.